0: The work of living the word is not hard, but it is a fight of faith because we have to count on the Lord to help us to live the word every day. Amen. I have to count on the Lord. You have to count on the Lord. doesn't matter what, uh, what you're doing as a believer. All believers are fighting a fight of faith. And what that means is there are, there are enemies to our faith, things that will come against us that will cause us to want to back up from what God has promised us and to give up on ourselves. And sometimes even on God in the situation. So, tonight we're in the last uh, part of this series, the revelation of the cross. And we're going to talk about the blessing. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's a good thing you came. (laughs) Okay, let's turn to Galatians chapter 3. I saved this for last. And some of you, many of you maybe, haven't heard every single um, teaching in this series. If you'd like to have them, they're available in the bookstore Um, but it's about eight different messages are contained in the revelation of the cross that we've shared since about mid-february until now the last one that we shared was on sunday which was the privilege to rule and if you weren't here and didn't hear that message you might want to get that cd because i believe god gave us all a revelation of the cross and we are called by god to rule we have been given a responsibility but we've been given all the tools that we need to rule in the earth and you may say why i really don't see myself as a ruler well god sees you as a ruler and so uh and that's not the ruler that's 12 inches or 36 inches long that would be a ruler of things and you have dominion the bible says so in our lives if we begin to live what god has given us and that's what we said in the beginning you know it's not what we know it's what we live And if we do what the Word of God says, then we're blessed. If we don't, we're not. And so this message tonight should help all of us really get a greater foundation in the blessing. So if you'll turn to Galatians chapter 3 with me, we're going to be reading uh, verse 13 and 14. We talked a lot about this last week. In fact, we went through Galatians 2, 3 thoroughly last week, all the way verse by verse. So if you missed that, uh, I'll try to help you catch up tonight. But it talks about, in this particular context of Scripture, it's talking about the law had with it a curse. The new covenant has no curse attached to it. And the reason the new covenant has no curse attached to it, and we'll talk about that in a minute, what that is, is because Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Now, you need to turn to your neighbor and say, this is the best news you'll ever have. This is better than what's in the journal and courier today. You're not going to find this. My sister said recently, I think I'm going to start my own uh, radio program and it's going to be called the good news. And all we're going to talk about is the good news because there is a lot of news that we're hearing that's bad, but God is still producing a lot of good news in the earth through his people. And so let's read verse 13, Christ Has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Father, I thank you that you will help me explain this tonight in such a way that every single person that's in this congregation tonight and anyone who listens by CD will understand what you are saying through your word, and that they will connect with the blessing of God, that they will see, Lord, what you have prepared through the body, blood of Jesus Christ for them. Lord, tonight when we take communion, let it be a new day for every person in this room, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. What What the scripture is speaking of here is in the old covenant, the law, everybody say the law. The law had attached to it blessing and cursing. We're going to look at it in Deuteronomy 28 in a few minutes. When Jesus came, he was the fulfillment of the old covenant. And in the new covenant, we inherit through the blood of Jesus Christ the blessing of Abraham. Everybody say, the blessing of Abraham. Now, we have to know what is the blessing of Abraham. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, and let's look at what is the blessing of Abraham. When Abraham was uh, in, his, in his own country, God came and spoke to him. This is in Genesis 12. If you'll turn there, and we'll begin with verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Abram, and this is what he said to him. Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Everybody say bless you. bless you. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, there's a lot of bless, blessed blessing in that Three scriptures that we just read, but I want to tell you God makes promises and God always keeps His promises. It says in the Word of God that God's promises are yes and amen. And when you study Old Covenant, which we do not have time to do tonight, but when you study this scripture, you understand that this was a total blessing covenant. The curse in this particular part of scripture where it's mentioned says, I will curse him who curses you. That's a blessing. Yoo-hoo. (laughs) Ding-dong. Wake up. Hallelujah. If somebody curses those who curse you, that is a blessing for you. So when it mentions the word curse in these particular scriptures, it's still about blessing. In other words, everything God did and said about Abraham had to do with blessing. Blessing blessing. And it says that Abraham, the only part Abraham played in receiving this blessing was he believed. Did everybody get that? That's, that was all he did. I mean, when he, when God cut the covenant with him, if you read it in here in Genesis, you can read it in chapter 17. It says he cut the covenant with Abraham. And when he cut that covenant, all Abraham did was go to sleep he went to sleep, God put him to sleep so he could have no part in it because everything would be provided by God Himself. In covenant, the stronger takes care of the weaker, and when the stronger takes over, He takes all your assets and all your liabilities. Now, you know, this is important for all of us to understand. In covenant, the stronger takes care of the weaker, He takes everything the weak, the weaker has the, the assets and the liabilities. In the church, we have to give God our assets and we have to give him our liabilities. I think we tend to give him all the liabilities. How many of you ever listened to yourself pray? (laughs) Thank you, God, for giving me. Thank you, God, for giving me. Thank you, God, for taking this. Thank you, God, for taking this away. Thank you, God, for giving to me. But there's another side of that in covenant in which we then fully rely on the stronger person. In other words, we no longer are going to have to take care of ourselves. Somebody else is going to take care of us. Now, that happens in the world all the time, especially with young women. They'll try to find a guy to take care of them. But we have Christ. Everybody say, I have God. We have Jesus. He will take care of us. He is our source. And those of us that have been married a long time are well aware of our source is the Lord. Amen? Amen male or female. Isn't that true? We have to count on God for everything. Well, that's what covenant is. It's where we decide that he is our total source. Therefore, there's a, a, a trust, a confidence an assurance that we can give him everything and we will not lose. Now I'm not talking about just, you know, giving him our heart. I'm talking about giving him everything, giving him our children, you know, uh, Some of you may be here tonight, and you're really struggling with your children. Give them to the Lord. You say, well, he won't know what to do with them. He made them. (laughs) Hallelujah. And if he can't figure it out, good luck to you. Hallelujah. Because if God made them, then God knows how to raise them. Hallelujah. And so it's very important that we recognize when we come into covenant that everything we have, who we are, every part of our being belongs to him. And that is in any covenant situation in the old covenant abraham took everything and gave it to god when he was when in uh, chapter i think it's 13 he was he had an encounter over lot he ended up it says he gave all the tithes to melchizedek melchizedek was a king how he knew to tithe i don't know but it says he gave all the tithes and then he said to this king i don't want anything of yours never let it be said that anybody took care of me except the god that i serve and he is possessor of heaven and earth. And so he had a revelation of what God was to him. It was just this promise that God made that he, he took hold of. And he took hold of that covenant. And from then on, it says Abraham was blessed. He was so rich in the natural that he and Lot finally had to part because they, they didn't have enough land for all of them to, to prosper together. Wouldn't that be something? If you had to say to your neighbors, listen, I'm going to have to move. I've got so much. I can't live in this little square part anymore. I'm going to have to get me a bigger place. That's the way God wants us to see ourselves. That is not the typical way people see the church. And that's because of ignorance. Because if you understand covenant, you have yoked up with the most powerful person in the universe. Amen? Amen. I heard somebody say, on the, they were on an airplane once, and the, someone asked him, well, who, what do you do? And he goes, well, I work for the richest Jew in the world. And the person said, who? He said, Jesus. You know, then that ends the conversation in some situations. But hallelujah, God's people are blessed. If you study it from the beginning, it was God's intention to bless people, not to curse people. And, uh, you know, I believe in my life, I've told this before and shared it. When I was young, my grandma used to say, God's going to get you girls if you don't stop treating your mother better, God's going to get you. I mean, that was a, her favorite saying to say to us. Molly was her name. And she scared the lightning out of me. And, uh, you know, she, she would be rolling that, those uh, egg rolls out on the table or making us these good cookies. And we'd do something. She'd go, you girls, God is going to get you. I thought, is that all she knows is God is going to get you. And then she said to me, but he wants you to play the organ in the church. I thought, well, he'd liable to strike me if I hit the wrong note. Hallelujah. No thanks. So, you know, I did not have this revelation growing up, but I have this revelation now. And I want to tell you, if you get the revelation on the inside of you, the revelation of the cross, the blessing, you will begin to live differently because your expectation will be blessing if you understand what God is saying here. So the the blessing of God was extended to Abraham and we've studied this in the last few weeks that Jesus fulfilled this covenant. And so when it says in Galatians chapter 3, if you still have your hand there and you can look at that, it says in Galatians 3 Christ became the curse. He took the curse that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, if you want to have an example of this, and I just want to give you this quickly tonight. It's in Numbers, and it just happens to be where I was reading. I thought, Lord, you're really, this is really good. This time I'm reading it. It's in my Bible reading. How many of you are reading through the Bible right now? Do you know where we are? In Numbers. You know what we're talking about? Balak and Balaam. The king who wanted to curse Israel, and he tried to get a prophet to help him do it, and I want to read you the story. You may not be reading through the Bible with us, so I want you to look at this with me, and we're going to be looking at chapter 22, and uh, this is the beginning of the story. Actually, it starts in 21, I mean 22, verse um, 12. Well, no, let's go back to verse 6. <clears throat> I'll give you the, just an overview of the first five verses. This uh, king, Balak, decided that he uh, would have to have Israel cursed or they would defeat him. It was his only hope to defeat the enemy was to have somebody curse them. So he sent for a prophet. It says this prophet, Balaam, was from Mesopotamia. He wasn't even from around the area. But he sent for this prophet, and he sent these messengers. And this is what it says. I'm going to start with verse 5. It says, then he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor of Pethor, which is near the river of the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, look, a people's come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth, and they're settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. That's That was his uh, picture of this prophet, that he could bless and he could curse, and it would happen. So this was his answer to his problem, was to get these people cursed. So Uh, God spoke to Balaam when these people came and and asked him about it. And he said, he first told him, don't go. Don't go with these people. We know in the end he did let him go. But he had to use a donkey to speak to him and get his attention. So when he got there, that he would know that he was speaking for God and not for himself. Because God had taken over the situation. And so it says in verse uh, 12, And God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people. For they are... For they are blessed. What did God say? What did he say? Blessed. Did he say they're blessed? Yes. And he also said you cannot, you cannot curse them. You cannot curse them. And so the next morning, uh, he he refused to go with them. They came back again, and, and this is what he said in verse 17. For I certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say. Therefore, please come curse this people for me. But Balaam answered and said, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord, my God, to do less or more. In the end, long story short, he ends up going with them. And so we get to chapter 23 and here's the first time he meets up with Balaam. Balaam takes him and they're going to make a sacrifice to try to get God. See everything everything for them is about gods, but they haven't met the living God yet. You know, they got to get a god to support them. So they get this guy to help help them curse them, but but the God he's hearing is not one of their gods. Hallelujah. They dialed into the wrong channel. And so, what happens is it says on the next day that Balak took Balaam and brought him up from the high places of Baal, that there, from there he might observe the extent of the people. He wanted him to get a picture of what he was going to curse. Chapter 23, verse 1. Then Balaam said to Balak, build seven altars here. Prepare for me seven bulls and rams. And they did all of that. And then it says in verse uh, up 7, he takes up took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. And he says, how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? Say, "Uh Uh uh-oh. Balak has called him to curse them. He's supposed to curse them. And this is what he begins to say. And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. There, a people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my end be like this. Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, and look, you've blessed them bountifully. So, the first time he takes him to curse them... He ends up blessing them because he consulted God and this is what God told him to say. And he told him from the beginning, I'll only say what the Lord tells me to say. So he was bound by that. So he he blessed them. Why? Because God already said they're blessed and you can't curse them. This is just a little demonstration for the people of what God meant. And I say this about you tonight. This is the this is the church. What God has blessed cannot be cursed. What God has decided is blessed is blessed. It's people being in agreement with God that brings the blessing. Balaam stood up and said what God said. So, so what happens the next time, Balak said to him, please come with me to another place from which you may say them. see them. Uh, you shall see only the outer part of them. In other words, if you can't see all of them, maybe you'll do better. Maybe you can curse them if you can't really see who they really are. And then you can curse them for me from there, he says. So, you know, it says in verse 15, and he said to Balak, stand here by your burnt offerings while I meet with the Lord again. And he goes, comes back, and Balak, and thus you shall speak. This is what God tells him. So he goes, and this is what he says. Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zephor. God is not a man that he should lie. Balak is in serious trouble now nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Now you need to underline and highlight this next part in your Bible. Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. Isn't this good news? You ought to be real excited because this is about you. These are covenant people. These are covenant people. The only reason they cannot be cursed by this person is because God has already declared them blessed. And so he will not allow them to be cursed. And then he goes on and he says a whole bunch of good things. And so at the, after he gets all done in verse 25, Balak says to Balaam, Neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. In other words, let's just not do anything if you're going to do this, let's just stop. And then he says, did I not tell you saying all that the Lord speaks that I must do? So let's just read from there now on down. It says, then Balak said to Balam, please come. I will take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God that you may curse them from there. And so Balak took Balam to the top of Peor that overlooks the wastelands. Then Balam said to Balak, "Build for me seven altars and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams." And Balak did as Balam had said and offered a bull and a ram on every altar. Now this next part's real important. The first two times he went and consulted God, and said, "What should I say?" But listen to the third time. Now when Balam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go as at other times to seek to use sorcery. But he set his face toward the wilderness. In other words, this time he knew what God would say. The third time he didn't even have to ask, he just stood up and said, and this is powerful. He said, The utterance of Balan the son of Beor, the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened. Turn to your neighbor and say, We need our eyes opened. The utterance of man who hears the words of God, who sees the visions of the Almighty, who falls down in his eyes with his eyes wide open. How lovely are your tents, O Jacob, your dwellings, O Israel, like valleys that stretch out, like gardens by the riverside. Does this sound like a curse? No, this is, this is about how blessed they are. Like gardens by the riverside, like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the water, he shall pour water from his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters. And then it goes on and it speaks about how he brought him out of Egypt. And then he says in verse 9, blessed is he who blesses you. (laughs) This is bad news for for Balak right here. And cursed is he who curses you. And then he goes on and says, and guess what, Balak? I'm about to give you the curse that will be upon you. (laughs) The poor man, he tried to get blessed. He got cursed in the end because he tried to curse what God had blessed. It goes on. It says, Balak's anger was aroused against Balaam. He struck his hands together and Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies. And look, you've bountifully blessed them three times. Now, therefore, flee to your place. I said, I would greatly honor you. But in fact, the Lord has kept you back from honor. The Lord has kept you back from honor. He just honored the Lord. I mean, it can't get much more serious than that. So Balaam said to Balak, did I not also speak to your messengers whom you sent to me, saying, if Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord to do good or bad of my own will. What the Lord says, that I must speak. And now, indeed, I am going to my people. Come, I will advise you what this people will do to your people in the latter days. And then he begins that their life is going to fall to pieces, basically. Everything is going to happen to them that will be disastrous. Because those who curse you will be cursed. Serious. Serious, folks. Very serious. I was reading in Psalm 14 today. You know, leaders that do not look after the people that they're called to lead get in big trouble with God. We need to pray for all our leaders in this nation because it is a serious thing when God's people are not blessed, when people on purpose do something that does not bless the people of God. Abortion does not bless the people of God. We have some serious issues in this nation. And when you understand the truth of the word of God, we are free from the curse because of what Christ did at Calvary. Now, the curse in Deuteronomy 28 uh, Let's turn to Deuteronomy 28, the new generation of Israelites who did go into the promised land. God reiterates in Deuteronomy 28 uh, through Moses what the blessing and the cursing are. And we're going to look at the, the cursed part first because I, I want to I show you this. In Deuteronomy 28:15, it says, and, and this is the curse of the old covenant, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of your Lord Of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you. And it begins to say that God will curse them here, curse them there, curse them here, and curse them there. It says in my commentary, the inevitability of these curses would be real for believers today, were it not, everybody say, were it not, not, not." removed by Jesus who has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us now we can have the blessings of god stopped in our life but the curse the curse is under the law it is not on us we have been redeemed from the curse that's when people say well god's liable to get you god's not getting anybody because the curse was taken by christ on calvary we step out of the blessing we will stop the blessing but it's all about blessing everybody say blessing we got to get this right, church, because that's how people get mixed up. God did this, and God did this, and, and even the insurance company. It was an act of God. No, we live in a fallen world. That's what it says in Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned, the whole world fell and became captive to evil. If you don't know Christ, you are a captive to evil. That's a revelation for some people because they don't need, they don't understand their need for God. The only way to escape the curse is to get under the blessing. And the blessing comes with the covenant, the new covenant. And Christ became a curse for us because he hung on the tree. What does that mean? That the curse cannot touch us. We make the decision to stay blessed or not be blessed. But this is a blessing covenant. The only thing in this covenant is blessing. Are you getting this? I'm telling you, this is a revelation for the church. It's a revelation for people in the church who go around judging people and putting them under condemnation that are other believers. The curse is not on us. Now, can the blessing be stopped? Yes, by disobedience. Everybody say disobedience. We make that choice, the same as the old covenant people, but we don't get under the curse. The blessings just stop. How many of you ever had the blessing stop? <laughs> How many of you ever had one of those opportunities? I had one of those opportunities not very long ago. God said this, you're the problem. If you want the blessing to start up again, repent and get right on where I told you to be. Ooh. You mean I'm the problem? I hate that when I'm the problem. I like it a lot better when everybody else is the problem. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, in a lot of churches, they think if they don't have enough money in the church, that they got to get after the people and start beating on the people. No. What you do is you teach people to tithe. Because tithing is where the blessing is. We're going to talk about it in a minute. And and, and I, my eyes have really been opened to this because my husband, at the first of the year, started saying, in this congregation, how many of you have heard Pastor Bill say, we, we have to tithe? We have to tithe. You know, that's because he loves you and he's trying to keep you from the devourer. He's trying to keep you in the blessing. Everybody say the blessing. And so this is what it says. It says in Deuteronomy 28, now it shall come to pass... If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, the, the blessing part of the covenant belongs to us. Let me just give you this example. Thank you, Lord, because I haven't thought of this. But in 2 Peter, it said God knew how to deliver righteous lot. Would you think of Lot as righteous? Uh, No. But Lot came out with Abraham. And he came out with Abraham in that covenant, that promise right there. And he got to pick the land he wanted to go to. And he picked the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, he picked that land. After he got in there, evil just was rampant in there, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. Evil everywhere. But the angel of the Lord spoke to Moses and told Told him what he was going to do. And he said, but could you just spare? He finally got down to, if there's just 10, could you just spare 10? And, And he ended up, the angel of the Lord got Lot out of that place. He got him out of that place of evil because he was under the blessing. He was under the blessing. Now, Lot's wife chose to look back. What did she step into? Are you getting it? Even in your worst place. If you will come out with God, you, you, if, you, if you've known God and walked backward, and, and you can still get out. You, you stepped out, but you can still get back in the new covenant. You know, you still have opportunity. All you got to do is get back in the place of blessing. How do you get there? You repent. Isn't God good to us? Amen. I mean, good heavens. How many of us would still be wandering in the wilderness? Some of us would have never, ever gone in. Hallelujah because God is so good in the new covenant, because of the cross, because of the blood, we're going to take communion because of what Jesus did. This is the truth, church. You are blessed because God called you blessed. You are blessed because of Jesus has nothing to do with your good works. The blessing is just on you, but you can stop it. If you're disobedient to the word of God, we have to stay obedient. And this was really brought home to me. Uh, I, I was, this was going to be my last teaching and And uh, the Lord had shown me that. and, and, And then I got this magazine from Brother Copeland, Living Inside the Blessing. I just love it when God sends me something that can help me learn. How many of you like to learn? And it says, we are living in a day of calamities and confusion. The planet is buckling under the weight of sin. Its inhabitants are hungry for answers, confused by problems caused because the blessing wall is down. And man's system of doing things without God is falling apart catastrophic weather political unrest global economic instability and confusion are on every front they are all factors in what the bible describes in romans 8:19. for the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of god turn to your neighbors say that's us just in case you don't know who that is okay the earth is under a strain That's what that verse is describing. The whole creation is groaning under the weight of man's sin, waiting for someone who is willing to rebuild the wall of protection that has been torn down. And this is what he says. And you you have to understand this for yourself. I'm not trying to put this on you, but I believe it's truth because I heard God say to me right over in that corner before it was a wall when I was praying with a bunch of women interceding, and God said in the last days well somebody prayed and said thank you god you're going to bless people and take care of them in the last days because even then i was praying with some older women that had seen you know by the spirit what was coming in the last days god thank you and god said to me only those that are obedient because the blessing is on the obedient you know now me being merciful and wanting everybody to get in i'm thinking well if they're trying see god established a covenant And a covenant works by covenant. And a covenant works only by the blood of Jesus for us, and it only works when we're in it. And we have the privilege of stepping out of the blessing. We're we're not stepping necessarily out of our relationship with God. We just want to do things the way we want to do them because we're not saying, really, I've given it all to you. I gave you my assets and my liabilities. I gave you my liabilities, God, but I'd like to keep a few assets. See, and honestly, that's what it says when we don't tithe. And and if you're here tonight, you feel, oh, dear, here we go. Listen, this is not about, oh, dear, here we go. This is the protection of God. I thank God that when I got saved with three children, a single mom, by myself, I made hardly any money. I had $30 a week for groceries. And God said to me, always give off of what I give you. And at one point, he told me to give double the tithe when I complained. Oh, don't ever complain. Hallelujah. <laughs> Do not complain because literally I was reading through the Bible and one scripture said, give one fifth to Pharaoh. And God said, give a fifth to the university. And then it said, and be content with your wages. I just read it today again in Luke chapter three. I'm telling you, it was like bang, bang. I thought, well, why did I say anything before? It was 10%. Now it's 20. That is not working right. But God manifested himself to me in that place. And there's never been a question in my mind about giving the tithe. You know, once you get the tithe down, then he asks for more. So I'm telling you, don't think that's the end of the story. Go there because that's the promise of the blessing. It's the promise of the blessing. Everything else is gravy or whatever, the icing on the cake or the candle. I don't know. But whatever, don't not tithe. And so anyway, this is what he said. I I really, I really believe this. He said, it is a cry for the blessing of Abraham to be released on the earth. It is a cry for those who know how to rebuild the Wessing Wall. This is our time. This is the day for a generation of believers that knows how to live out of heaven's supply instead of the world's. How many are you ready? Well, you might as well get ready because the world ain't going to have anything to give you. So pretty soon everybody's going to want to do this. Hallelujah. This is the day for those who practice Malachi 3.10 to rise up. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there is not room enough to receive. How many candidates? That's the blessing. Everybody say the blessing. That's the blessing. And then he goes on. He talks about his folks, how in the Depression they didn't have anything. And he says, my mother um, told me she'd keep praying until she couldn't see her, her, her husband anymore. He'd leave to go look for a job. And then she'd go inside and thank God all day for a job for him. They always tithe. They tithed and tithe and tithe their whole life, even through the Depression. And she said by the time that, that he said at time after time when Daddy came home that night, God would have maneuvered him into the right place at the right time and he'd have a job. I thought, we've been telling people we're praying for them to get a job. We need to tell them tithe. We won't have to pray for a job. God will give them one. Hallelujah. Oh, you'll get that later. Here we go. Um, And then he goes on. He says, this is what it says. When when you have made an end of tithing of all the tithes of your increase, this is um, from Deuteronomy 26, You shall say before the Lord your God, Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the land which you have given us, and a land that flows with milk and honey. Something happens when we continually remind ourselves that God, not men, not employers, not governments, not indebtedness, is our source. Amen? Tithing is an opportunity for God's people to remind themselves they've been delivered from a system of bondage and financial slavery. Are you getting this? I mean, this is exciting. If you take it in and God says, prove me now in this, the tithe, That's he says that. And then it says, um, uh, live this way and God will disconnect you from paths you have forged through fear of lack and loss. And you will start walking solidly on the path God has for your life. This is a new revelation that all of you need to get. And I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to take this time. We'll, we'll take communion in a minute. But this is what it says. When we take our places connected to the blessing we have access to information the natural man does not have boy if you, if you want to know something nobody else knows tithe hallelujah you wake up with revelation nobody knows about the great depression in the great in the great depression the lord led my dad to a cotton gin every very early one morning before everyone else had arrived for work the man managing the gin came to work and asked him what he wanted dad said something like well i believe you have a need for me now, this is a new approach to getting a job. You go to them and say, I, be- I believe you have a need for me. And, that, and dad answered, uh, he, the man said, ask him, are you a bookkeeper? And dad answered, sure. <laughs> if you need a bookkeeper, I am. My dad had never kept books for a business, but he was good at math. He looked over the man's ledger, saw how his system of keeping books was set up and trusted the Lord for wisdom to maintain the system. What did, what, did he know, uh, what did he know about bookkeeping? He knew as much about bookkeeping as Joseph knew about running a prison. Nothing. But the blessing, the blessing taught him, and his way turned out to be better than their way. He became better at it than they were. Later, he took a course in bookkeeping at a business college in Lubbock, Texas, and the college ended up hiring him to teach. Dad didn't know anything about teaching the whole field of bookkeeping, but the blessing taught him. He held that job for quite some time. It wasn't his education that got him the job, but the blessing of the Lord. He was a tither. Hallelujah. We want to be in the blessing. Amen. We are the blessing people. And the, the blessing people are blessed to be a blessing. Can we look at Deuteronomy i mean at genesis again the last verse that god spoke in his blessing to abraham he said that i will bless those who bless you i will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed Uh, i was reading in this commentary that's in my bible it says the blessing of Abraham involves other things as well as finances. The Lord wants to prosper spiritually, wants us to prosper spiritually, emotionally, physically and materially. God's blessings through Abraham are yes and amen. Abraham's blessing is ours by his promise and we need make no apology for the fact that prosperity is included. Amen. Amen. Let's give God praise because he is a God. He is a God who blesses. And you know, if you present God for who he is, who wouldn't want a God who will take care of them? Who wouldn't want a God who blesses them? You know, it's, it's just the way it is. We need to do what he says to do, not so he can get your money, not so this church can prosper. Because if, if, if the church doesn't take care of what God's doing, he'll find another source to take care of it. Otherwise, you get mad at the people, you know. I mean, the preacher gets mad and starts, you all need to give more. We got to do this. We got." But if you just say to people, just give God what belongs to him, 10%. All of you are going to give the government something by April 15th. Or you already have. And if you haven't, God bless you. We'll see you in jail. (laughs) We do have a jail ministry. Hallelujah. But we don't want to visit you there. But that's what's going to happen if people don't do what. The law says we are under the blessing. It's not, a, it's not like a hardship to tithe. It's a blessing. It's a blessing because we give to God and he takes care of us. Amen. Because we're under that covenant. We're under that covenant. We are blessed to be a blessing. And this is the greatest blessing we have the opportunity to give. Jesus. To the world. Everybody say salvation. You know, this nation, if it's, if, if it's not in trouble for anything else, it's in trouble if we don't keep at the forefront that we are a godly nation and we were given that privilege to take the gospel to the world number one reason god discovered us and put us in this position as americans around the world we are wealthier than a lot of nations and what we take them is a wealth that is will give them eternal salvation it will give them a place in heaven and, and America's always been known as the number one nation to bring Jesus to the other nations. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed. And it takes finances to fly on an airplane. When Pastor Bill goes to the Sudan, it takes money to get him there. But I'm telling you, there are orphans in that, in that country that we do not know who they're going to be before. We don't know what their life is going to hold. We are blessed to be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing to your neighbor. So when you start thinking about your yard and your house and you you think about what God wants to put, you are an embassy. You have everything you need to take care of your neighborhood, to take care of the people around you. Because he said, love the Lord and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. Aren't you glad you're in the covenant? Worship team, come. We're going to receive communion. There's only one reason we get to be in this in this elite group so to speak is because we know jesus as our lord and savior and uh how many of you had to hang on a tree we don't have a tree out back we don't have bulls and goats that we're killing out back all you have to do is say i receive jesus as my lord and savior that's what it says in romans after all that christ did the only thing we have left to say is i receive jesus as my lord and savior and I and I believe there's a world of people in the church who have received Him as their Savior. In the covenant, when you get the Savior, that means it's all about somebody helping you. But the word Lord, everybody say the word Lord, has a different connotation. Lord says, "I'm giving Him everything I have." And so I'd like us to pray tonight, um, and 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 let's ask God in our life does he see us as having him as Lord? I mean, is there anybody here tonight who has never received Jesus? Because we want to take care of that first and foremost. If you don't know Jesus, then you are without hope because the curse is on your life. You may be saying, I don't understand why everything goes wrong in my life. Everything just doesn't happen the way I want it to. Well, if you don't know Christ, there is no hope for your life because the curse is in the world. And it is touching everything that doesn't know Christ. Every person who doesn't know Christ has been held captive by that curse. Now we choose as believers to get under the curse of just not having the blessing. That's what we lose, the blessing. But these people are hopeless. They have no God. They have no one to take care of them. If you're here tonight and you've never received Jesus, we're going to pray for you in a minute. And this is what the Bible says in Romans. It's very simple, very simple prayer. And, and everyone can say it. There are no restrictions. There's no race that it favors. It, there's no uh, person, maybe you've been in a denomination. It doesn't say, if you're this, you can't say this. Uh, the denomination may say can't, say you can't say it, but the Bible says It says, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Pretty simple, huh? Believe in your heart. For with the heart one believes into righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There is a part. You have to lift your voice and say, I receive Jesus. So let's all bow our heads. Father, I thank you tonight for every person who's here. And um, I know most of you are here tonight, but I don't, I don't know everybody personally. And really, we can know people, but only people know if they're going to heaven. The Bible says it, there's an assurance that comes with this prayer. That on the inside of us, our spirit will say, you're saved. That's what it says. The spirit bears witness with the spirit of God that you're a child of God. And so I just ask that question tonight. Is there anybody here who doesn't know where they're going to spend eternity? If you know you're going to heaven, you're saved. The Bible says so. If you're not sure, then we need to make that a positive assurance tonight in your life. Without doubt, I know I'm going to heaven. If that's you and you you say, you know, I need Jesus. I've heard the message and I know I need Jesus. If that's you tonight, would you lift your hand? Would you just be brave? I see your hand. I see your hand. Maybe you're here tonight. Thank you. We're going to pray right now in just a moment. We're going to pray a prayer together. If you're here tonight, maybe you've known Christ, but you kind of walked another direction. You see, you know what? I, I'm not walking under that blessing. And I need to turn my life around tonight and get back in that position where where the blessing of God is. We all have that opportunity to repent every day, but sometimes we get so far out there that we really have to say, I am, I need to turn around. I've gone too far. Hallelujah. Syria. Okay. Let's all pray together tonight. We're just going to pray this because to take communion, we're going to thank God for what he did and we want to have assurance that we're on the right track. Amen. So let's say this. Just repeat after me, father, thank you for Jesus. I need Jesus. I give my heart to Jesus. I've sinned, made mistakes tonight in this place. I'm making a turnaround. I'm making a commitment that from this night forward, Jesus is my Savior. And I ask you, Lord, to help me to stay in the position of keeping you, Lord, over my life. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah! Isn't it good to be born again? Isn't it good to know I'm in the blessing? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're in the blessing. You're in the blessing. You're in the blessing. And to be in the blessing means, Jesus said, that you can take this bread. This is wafer, just a wafer, but it represents tonight for us the body of Jesus Christ. And he said that when you partake of this, you take care. You partake of my life, healing, wholeness. Everything you have need of, that's what salvation is. Salvation is perfect soundness, well-being. It means, I'm all right. I'm going to be okay. And you may be here tonight and say, you don't know my life. Jesus does. And he has said, if you belong to me and you obey me, you will be okay. You will be okay. There is an okay place in this world. So as we eat this tonight, let's just thank God that we're doing it in remembrance of what he did not in remembrance of the things we've done in remembrance of what he did because what he did secured for us the blessing let's eat together and then he gave his disciples the cup it's called the last supper which he took on a on like would be what we would thursday night would be maundy thursday you've heard it called that that's when we would celebrate and on friday would be the day that he was crucified. Sunday when you come back, we're going to celebrate. We celebrate here every time. Amen. Because we're in the blessing. Amen. And if you have a revelation, church is all about celebrating. It's all about coming together and having a real rejoicing celebration of what we have because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Amen. This, he said, was the blood of the covenant. It represents the blood of the covenant. Now, we've talked about it tonight. And because you're in a covenant, God has taken responsibility for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's really good for you. (laughs) It's really good for me, amen. Somebody loves you more than you love yourself, Even Somebody loves you even when you're not very loving. Turn back to your neighbor and say, that's really a blessing. (laughs) Somebody thinks about you all the time. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That means when it's over, it's not over for you. You got all of eternity to rejoice in His presence. Amen. And it's all sealed and delivered to you by what happened on Calvary, the blood. Now, when you drink this tonight, I want you to see yourself as a blessing. Amen let's turn. Father, we thank you tonight for every person that's here. I thank you that the blessing of the Lord rest upon them. I thank you, Lord, that they are called and appointed for such a time as this and that they are called to be a blessing. They're not just blessed. They are called to be the blessing that that person that they've that they've really not wanted to talk to, really needs, even though they don't act like they need you. They need you. They need you to be standing in the gap. They need you praying for them. Let's stand up together tonight. Father, I thank you for every person in here tonight who said yes to Jesus. If that was you and you said yes to Jesus for whatever reason, would you come quickly to the altar because I want to pray for you right here. Come on down. Father, we thank you that the blessing of God would rest upon each one of these. Father, I thank you that their hearts, their hearts have been touched by your spirit tonight. And the thing that they needed, they saw, they heard. And Jesus, you are the answer for their situation. They don't have to go backward. They get to go forward. They get to go forward and I bind the work of the enemy against their lives. I take authority over the work of the enemy against you and against your family in the name of Jesus. I declare blessing over all of you in the name of Jesus, because what God has blessed cannot be cursed. And I thank you, Father, that as we stretch our hands out, we put a holy edge of protection around them, that what you have done in their life tonight is sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And and if you're here tonight and you say, I used to do it, but I've fallen back, you will not fall back if you will stay with God, if you will stay with his plan stay here in this church if you don't have a church. If you have a place, get connected again. Do not let go of the fellowship of the body of Christ because we're here to encourage one another as long as it is day that Jesus is Lord and that we are in the
1: blessing. Hallelujah.
0: Give God a big praise tonight.